0: And welcome back. This is Baller Scuba with the third Scuba Cast. Last time we spoke, we talked a little bit about Toys R Us closing down and the superhero saturation that's going on. Uh, What I got from you guys is mostly that uh, Toys R Us doesn't really have all that many fond memories for you uh, in the past, which is pretty similar to how I felt about it. I do have a small update about... Uh, Toys R Us since I did the last scuba cast, and that is that I went to one of the uh, Toys R Us stores that were closing down, and it pretty much confirmed everything that I remembered about it. Uh, It was depressing. There was nobody really there to help me, and most of the stuff that I wanted uh, was not available for me to try, and I had to go ask for help, which... I didn't do because I I wasn't going to bother, uh, but there was so much there and I felt like there was so much potential. I just felt that Toys R Us was just never run properly and that's one of the main reasons that they went downhill uh, and it seems like most people uh, had more of a mixed reaction to it than this overwhelming love and nostalgia that seemed to flood uh, the media for a couple weeks when they heard that Toys R Us was finally going out of business. Uh, In terms of superhero saturation, it seemed like uh, there wasn't too much disagreement with my assessment of it either. Uh, Basically, there is too much out there. If you consume all of it, just don't consume all of it. Just limit to what you actually want to do. All right, so that's what we talked about last week. Our main topic this time, I've debated the story a couple times, or the name of it, I should say, a couple times. We're going to be talking about stories, though. Uh, The one that I've settled on is The Rise of the Ark, Uh, and we'll go over that more in detail. But first, one news topic that I wanted to talk about rather quickly uh, is e3 that's coming up in a couple weeks uh there have been a ton of announcements for it as of the time that i'm recording this right now looks like the scheduled conferences are going to be by ea microsoft bethesda devolver digital square enix Ubisoft, PC Gamer, Sony, and Nintendo. Uh, The major games that are announced are Call of Duty, Black Ops 4, Fallout 76, Mega Man 11, A New Monster Hunter, Battlefield 5, Splatoon 2, Super Smash Bros. for the Switch, Team Sonic Racing, The Last of Us 2, Spider-Man for the PlayStation 4, Kingdom Hearts 3, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and Beyond Good and Evil too, So there are a ton of things that are going on at E3, uh, but for me, I really don't necessarily follow the coverage all that much. I had to kind of look up when even E3 was. I don't necessarily follow uh, the hype that goes into a lot of these big name games. I've been disappointed too much in the past. Uh, I used to at least have a casual interest in what was going on at the big conferences when they announced their big games and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But especially the past few years, uh, it's always kind of been a disappointment uh, watching people hype up these games and then watching it come out, and it was a mediocre game at best. Uh, So my question is, if you follow these big conferences, is this something that you actually get into? Do you buy the virtual ticket? Do you buy the main ticket and fly out to the conference? Uh, Do you follow the lead in? Do you follow all the hype? Uh, Do you buy into what these guys are selling when they do their conferences? Uh, it, It seems like these conferences are becoming a little bit less important as time goes on. Like I said, uh, the major games have already been announced before you actually get to E3. That didn't used to happen. They used to wait and announce the game there at E3. Now they're basically trying to sell E3 to you by saying, we're going to talk about all these games. Uh, So it seems like that has changed somewhat, which kind of goes into the idea that maybe these conferences aren't necessarily that big of a deal. There's possibly better ways for these companies to get their messages out there than this big conference. Uh, So maybe that will change in the future. As of right now, E3 is still one of the biggest deals in the video game industry. It's really their chance to hype whatever is coming up in the next year or so. So uh, is that something that you follow or have you kind of gotten to the point where I have, where I just kind of wait for the game to come out, see what other people say about it, and then maybe I'll get it later. I rarely get a game when it first comes out anymore. Uh, So E3 coming up. That is something that is happening. A small second news topic today is kind of one that affects me a little bit more personally. Uh, That would be a small change that YouTube is doing that is uh, concerning to me. And that would be that they are uh, seemingly going after the subscriptions page. Uh, that is where I watch uh, my YouTube videos. When I go on YouTube, I go to my subscription page. I don't bother with the homepage. I don't bother with trending. I don't bother with recommended. I go to my subscription page. And on the subscription page, as of today, uh, you get a chronological list of of all of the videos that people that you are subscribed to have uploaded, uh, they have started changing that. Uh, they've started uh, basically a small test market uh, of users and they're basically turning the subscription page into what sounds like another version of the home page and another version of the recommended page. They're cleaning up the subscription page so that you will only see videos there that you have hinted to YouTube that you want to see. So basically they're using their algorithm to cut out videos that they don't think you want to see. Uh, in my mind that's very similar to how the home page works. Uh, they will show you uh, recommended they'll show you some things from certain subscribe subscriptions that you have but the subscriptions page was kind of the last place you could go to to ensure that you would find every video from any particular uh, person that you're subscribed to if you went there and as if you could go there right now who knows how long this is gonna last um, you will find every video from every person you're subscribed to in alphabetical order it's a feed and it seems that youtube is thinking about changing that like i said for some users a small market they just started randomly changing that Uh, that's concerning because that's usually the first step that they do uh, to a permanent change Uh, and they rarely listen to feedback on that kind of thing so it seems like They're on step one of four of that. The first one is testing. The second one is opt in. The third one's opt out. uh, Like it's on default, but you can turn it off. And then step four is you can no longer turn it off. It's mandatory now. Uh, So not only is that concerning to me as a YouTube viewer, but it's also concerning to me as a YouTube creator. Uh, Many of my videos will no longer show up on your subscription page should YouTube make this change uh, due to how the algorithms work. Uh, basically, if you're not watching every video that I upload, YouTube doesn't think that you like me very much. So if you take that into account, at least the way that YouTube looks at it, uh, some of my videos will no longer show up on on your subscription page uh, should they make this change. So it is something that is concerning to me, uh, both as a viewer and as a creator, because as a creator, I'm not uploading with the expectation that everybody that I'm subscribed to will watch every video that I make, uh, but that's the way that YouTube wants me to look at it. Uh, So it's it's a very interesting dynamic uh, between the creators and uh YouTube as a company uh to say the least the creators seem to be uh, almost in open revolt uh, about this kind of stuff so uh i wanted to give a warning now uh i always upload at the same time so should it not show up on your feed uh there is a good chance that i still uploaded it and it's it's available on my channel page i guess it's becoming harder and harder uh, as a creator to tell people how to watch my videos on YouTube, and that's never a good sign. So that's the second small little news topic that I wanted to talk about. It is time to get into the main topic. This is going to be a long one, so I tried to keep uh, both the other sections short. We do have a wildcard section at the end as well, but for now, it is time to talk about the rise Of the arc. As I mentioned before, there is a problem with uh, nomenclature on this one, and I didn't know what to call it for a long time. For uh, when I put it on the vote video on Patreon, well, the vote post, I should say, on Patreon. Uh, I called it the rise of serials. That's with an S, S E R I A L S, serials. Cereals. Uh, but that seemed to confuse people. Uh, the more the more that I talked about it, so we're changing that to the rise of the arc. Uh, the reason that I called it the rise of serials is because I was always taught there's basically two styles of writing. Uh, there's episodic writing, uh, which is when everything is contained within the one episode. Uh, The whole story is contained there. And then the next episode takes on a whole new story uh, with the same characters, but there is no overlap between the two. On the other hand, there's serial writing where there will be multiple episodes, but it's one continuous story. Sure, there might be a different focus in each episode. Each episode might feel like it concluded but there's one overarching story over the course of several installments of whatever the the story uh, takes form in. And I was always taught that that was called a serial form of writing. However, the more I tried to research this topic, the more that I figured out that every single form of media seems to have a different form of nomenclature for how to refer to the storytelling. Uh, so I'm having some difficulty. I'm going to call it the rise of the arc. I like the name. Uh, that's what we're going to stick with, but I'm basically using the term story arc to refer to a series of pieces of media. So, uh, episodes of a television show, individual films, individual books, things like that. Uh, video games as well, individual video games, a series of those that tell one long story over several installments and I'm going to call that a story arc. I might refer to them as a serial every once in a while uh, simply because that's what I'm used to. It's what I was taught. But uh, for our purposes, I'm going to try to stick to story arc. Um, like I said, it is difficult to come up with um, concrete categories for this everything about this is going to be blurred lines between the two everything about this is blurry Uh, I tried to refer to uh, TV tropes they seem to have this kind of stuff in hand Uh, this is kind of the bread and butter of what they do it it seems like Uh, but I felt like they got a lot of things wrong Uh, they break things down into two uh, distinct categories Serials are basically mini series they call them serials uh but they're they're basically a mini series uh there's a story that's told over several episodes but each serial or each mini series is completely separate from another small mini series or serial uh it doesn't apply to too many uh too much of anything to be honest with you. Uh, but there's two main things that I can vouch for. Uh, the British television shows, uh, typically follow this format where it's several serials in a row. Uh, Dr. Who, the classic Dr. Who, uh, the one that started in the sixties, that one is a serial format. Uh, typically these, uh, serials would run five to six episodes. Uh, I kind of disagree with this one, though, because there is an overlap between the serials. Uh, the Doctor gets a new companion, or the Doctor regenerates. If you're familiar with the Doctor Who series, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, if you're not, basically, there were some characters that would stick around, and others would leave uh, at the end or beginning of serials. And I feel like it's n- they're, they're not as distinct as TV Tropes kind of tries to make them sound. Uh, There are also uh, segments in the Rocky and Bullwinkle show back in the 60s that are very similar to the serials that they're talking about in TV Tropes. Uh, The idea is that um, each episode of Rocky and Bullwinkle had like four segments, and like the first segment would be part one of a story, and that would go for 10 different episodes, and it would always link up with part one of the next episode. Uh, Then there would be like part three, and that would link up with 10 episodes with the other part threes. It was a very weird format looking back at it for Rocky and Bullwinkle, but that would be something that TV tropes would consider a serial on the other hand, there's story arcs, which is much more of uh, what we're used to when it comes to how stories are told. It's a focused, continuous story that takes place during a, several, uh, a t- television series, remember it's TV Tropes, uh, that takes several episodes, a full season, or even goes across the entire series. Um, it's become much more common and much more popular, especially lately, which is kind of the whole point of this podcast, The Rise of the Arc. So that's TV tropes. Serials, which are rare, and story arcs, which are very common. According to Wikipedia, they kind of agree with the way that I've been taught uh, since I was in, I believe, high school, uh, that all long stories told in an episode-by-episode format is called a serial. Any kind of continuing story between installments counts as a serial. It's very simple. TV Tropes breaks it up, but Wikipedia does not. It was so difficult to do research for this one. It's one of the reasons why this episode is late. I do apologize for that. But like I said, for my purposes, I'll be talking about story arc for any sort of story that has an episode that has ramifications in another episode episode. And one of my arguments is that that did not always used to happen. It's hard to think about that now because almost every drama that is on television these days has a story that spans all the way through a season, if not all the way through the entire series. It's hard to think about dramas uh, being in episodic format, but that is the way that it used to be. So let's talk about kind of the history of the subject, and then we'll go into whether or not uh, this is a good thing, which is probably what a lot of people want me to talk about. But we're going to start with the oldest form of uh, storytelling that I can think of, at least, and that would be books and oral traditions. Oral traditions, I would argue, is a story arc. Uh, for instance, the Iliad was said to be told in three to five evenings. It's a long story that is, well, sung, uh, but is a long poem that is told in installments because it was too long to recite in a single sitting. Uh, Some estimate that it was about 24 hours long, and that's too long to just sit there and listen to somebody sing. So they told it over the course of several evenings. So even some of the oldest stories that we as humans told to each other uh, were told in kind of a serial or story arc format. There's also several uh, books that are well-known today that originally started as several smaller stories. Uh, Some of the ones that come to mind for me are uh, Dante's Divine Comedy, Uh, the first installment being Inferno, Dante's Inferno, which is the most popular, but there were four parts to that one. Uh, Don Quixote, which is two parts, uh, Proust's In Search of Time Lost. Uh, Lord of the Rings, of course, came out in three different installments. Uh, The Oz series, right? Uh, The Wizard of Oz and all those. Uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, those all are fairly early, Uh, in the history of uh, novels and things like that, more or less. And they were told over several installments, but it was just the one story. Uh, Then there's the ones that were told in installments in a trade paperback first, and then they were compiled into novels. Uh, The most popular one for me uh, that I could think of was Charles Dickens. Uh, He definitely wrote a lot of his novels in several installments over the course of several years, uh, and then they were compiled together into the novels that we know now. Uh, Recently, though, series have become way more popular. Uh, there There have been series in the past, but most novels were kind of standalone pieces of work. Now, we're looking at series being the main thing that people are consuming a lot of the time. Uh, look at stuff like Harry Potter, The Hunger Games, Maze Runner, uh, and one of my personal favorites, The Dresden Files. That's kind of the normal one. that We're just going to leave Fifty Shades of Grey out of this, even though that counts too. Uh, most science fiction, fantasy, and paranormal novels, especially in the young adult, uh, middle grade, and children sections, are now part of a longer story told in a long series. Uh, When you go to uh, actually try to publish it, this is something that I know firsthand, when you try to publish a story, they kind of go, so how long is your series? It's rare now to see a standalone story in these genres. So if you're looking at science fiction fantasy, you're talking about a series. It is rare these days for a single standalone novel to exist in these series. Uh, So that's books. Books have definitely seen the rise of the story arc over the course of time. Uh, You will still see some of the literary fiction being told in a single book format, but most of what's being consumed now are series. That is where the industry wants to push, and they're succeeding at it to some extent. The next one that I want to talk about is movies, and this is one of the harder ones again. Like I said, it is very difficult to find good information on uh, storytelling in non-book forms. It is really difficult. So with films, it's kind of a complicated history. Um, There were what they call movie serials that were around uh, pretty much since the well let's say the beginning of of film um we'll say like the 30s and 40s for our purposes is kind of the beginning of uh film we'll kind of just skip the silent error altogether uh but in the 30s and 40s there were what were known as serials now in serials it would air a, a small segment usually somewhere between uh you know like five and 20 minutes and it would air before the feature film which is a term that we still use today even though we lost the the prequel stuff the the stuff that came before the actual film uh but movie serials were around pretty early on in the movie industry uh they were told through short installments before the feature film and they told one continuous story over several of these small single real episodes that would air before a movie. How you could watch all of them in a row, I'm not sure. I haven't been able to find anybody to ask that actually watched these things, uh, but there were series uh, starring Flash Gordon, Superman, Batman, Tarzan, Zorro, even Captain America had a serial. Uh, they were... Not very good, if we're being honest. Uh, They were pulp stories, pulp fiction, which is where the movie got its name. Uh, They were kind of lowbrow entertainment. They were easy to write. Uh, They were much more like comics come to life, like really short stories that weren't necessarily meant to make you think or anything. They were just supposed to lighten you up so that you could watch the main, uh, feature film, uh, afterwards. Uh, this was done at the same time that, uh, Disney was making the short, the short animated shorts, uh, to go before the movie. Uh, Looney Tunes was around back then as well. So there was also some live action stuff that would go on before the film. Um, There was also, you know, like the Three Stooges and stuff like that. Uh, That was part of it, but there were serials as well where there were several installments for one long story, and that existed from the beginning. However, that was not really what happened in feature films. In feature films, most of them were standalone, Uh, but I feel like I have to point out exceptions because once again it is a a blurry line between these different forms of storytelling and the blurry line here is sequels. Um, The original sequels back in the day had usually very little to do with what happened in the first film. If you had skipped the first film and just watched the sequel you wouldn't be lost. You didn't really need to know what happened in the first film to watch the sequel. Uh, Sequels have been around pretty much since the beginning of film. Uh, Since feature films first started coming out, there were were sequels. Um, The first one, according to the research that I could find online, uh, came out in 1916. Uh, It was the sequel to The Birth of a Nation, which is an important film in film history, although it does not age well, to say the least. Uh, But it had a sequel that was considered a companion piece to The Birth of a Nation called The Fall of a Nation, which uh, was not that big of a hit. Apparently, it was not considered a good thing to start doing sequels back then. Uh, They were two completely different stories. They were just kind of related in some sense. Uh, You could even argue that Intolerance was a sequel to The Birth of a Nation, but that one's a little bit more of a stretch. It was more a sequel in terms of the director's mind uh, about how he felt about The Birth of a Nation and what he tried to do with Intolerance. Um, But it's, like I said, it's very... Blurred lines everywhere you go about the difference between a sequel and a story arc. And for me, the difference is if you can watch a sequel without watching the first film, then it's not a story arc. It's not one story told in several parts. It's something tacked on uh, to be a separate episode featuring either the same characters or the same universe or something similar to that. Um, so I don't consider most sequels, at least the early sequels in film history, to be a story arc. Uh, they're more of an episodic format uh, uh, when it comes to films, which is a weird thing to say, but that's the way that I that I think about it. Uh, but in the '70s, that's when things start changing. Uh, it can be argued. And I I can't find another argument, so this is the one that I'm going to stick with for now. But like I said, I couldn't find that much research. The argument that I'm going to make is that the first two Godfather movies were the first feature film story arc. The first Godfather movie could stand by itself. It could. But the sequel adds on to and enhances the first one and if you watched Godfather 2 without watching the first Godfather you would not understand it very well uh so I'm gonna consider it the first story arc it's definitely the first story arc in film that the critics loved because both of them won best picture the Godfather 1 and the Godfather part 2 both won best picture that is was I think the first time that a story arc was told over several films. At least it was the first one that was popular. And that might be the more important thing. Because once that happened, it started picking up from there sequels and several films all telling one story started becoming more popular especially in the 70s and 80s because uh it was the late 70s and early 80s that that really started picking up so you get franchises like star wars uh, which we'll talk about more later uh then you have alien and terminator these were all films that continued one story in several installments each one could stand by itself but it was one story told over several installments. Uh, Then you start looking at some of the more modern things and you start realizing that it's becoming more and more popular. You get Lord of the Rings, you get Harry Potter again, Hunger Games again, and of course the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is a whole new thing where you have story arcs across several franchises converging, diverging. It's Pretty amazing that they have stuck with it and that it's done so well, Uh, but you can definitely see that films are starting to become more uh, geared toward a long story arc uh, than a single film one at a time. Uh, Even sequels now are starting to take the ramifications from previous entries in the series and moving forward with them. Even some of the stuff that we might consider a little bit more lowbrow, a little bit more dumb, uh, like the Fast and the Furious franchise, Uh, that actually does take into account all the previous entries, except for one, and they put it into the next story. What happened last time does matter. And sequels didn't used to be that way. Think of like Bride of Frankenstein or Son of King Kong. You didn't have to watch the first one to get what was going on in the second one it really didn't matter all that much, but now it does. Uh, The biggest one that I can think of that epitomizes this change in the way that films are telling stories is the James Bond series. Forever, for a long time, for over 30 years. It might even be over 40 years. Um, The James Bond franchise told many stories that were completely separate. If you watched all of the Sean Connery Bond films, you would see that there was very little, if any, overlap between them. If you missed one, you could hop into any of the Bond films and you would be fine. It stood by itself. However, once Daniel Craig became James Bond, things changed. All the Daniel Craig films line up to tell one long story spanning James Bond's career. And that is something that did not happen before in the Bond franchise. You cannot go watch the, the most recent Daniel Craig Bond film until you have watched the other Daniel Craig Bond films. And that is something that has definitely changed over the years. And like I said, we are continuing to see the rise of the story arc. That's in film. So now we've talked about books, we've talked about film. It's time to talk about television, where possibly the biggest change has been made. It's, once again, very difficult to talk about these. Uh, For television shows, I'm going to separate these into let's say four different categories. Like I said, it's difficult to talk about. Uh, And it's very difficult to pick up on when the change happened. We just know that it did, you can sense it. I'm gonna separate them into four categories though. We have the original ones, stuff that you mostly see in comedy these days, and that would be the purely episodic format. And that would mean that each episode in the series stands by itself. There's no overlap between the stories at all. The next one is a little bit blurrier. It's hard to figure out where this would stand, but we're talking about mostly an episodic format, but there's stuff going on in the background that has impact over time. This one is more common than you think. Uh, It does happen a lot in modern comedies. Uh, I think about uh, The Office, Parks and Recreation, uh, Big Bang Theory. Even The Simpsons do this to some extent, where every episode has its focus, but there are things happening to the characters that are not the focus of the episode that will have ramifications later on and eventually things do change. Uh, the Simpsons is one of the ones that's been around for so long. I would say they started in an episodic format where nothing ha- mattered at the end of the episode. Everything would always go back to normal. You, see the- you saw this a lot in sitcoms back in the day, uh, but now they are starting to have episodes that do change things, and they've been doing it for a while, but you're starting to see things more and more now, and if you haven't seen Simpsons in 10 years or so, uh, you might need somebody to help you uh, figure out why you don't necessarily get all the jokes these times, uh, because things have changed since you last watched it. So back in the day, it used to be purely episodic. You could pop in, watch an episode, pop out whenever you wanted to, and you would be fine. Um, now it's much more about things happening in the background, especially with the uh, the comedies. There's stuff that happens that will have ramifications later on. Uh, the third category is kind of a, a strange one uh which is that there is a universe that exists and uh as the episodes go on the universe itself changes in some way although the characters might change or uh, it it doesn't necessarily have the same plot over several episodes but the universe itself uh remains the same and it that is what Uh, changes over the course of seasons. Like I said, that one's a little bit harder uh, to pick up on, but I would put something like uh, The X-Files into that, where uh, it didn't seem to be the main focus to change everything, but the universe that the series is in does change over time. And you see that mostly in science fiction and fantasy style. Uh, Television shows and movies and stuff like that. Um, But the fourth one, uh, the fourth category is definitely the one that has picked up the most steam in recent years. And that would be the one in which the main focus of the story is the long story. Uh, For this one, you think about things like Game of Thrones. Breaking Bad, Stranger Things, The Handmaid's Tale. This is one story and that's pretty much all there is. there There is rarely an episode that happens that you could ever skip if you want to fully understand the story. So that's the four categories for television. Like I said, It's difficult to talk talk about, and I can think of shows that fall into several of these categories, and that's a bit of a problem. But overall, there has been a change. You see the rise of the one long story arc. Like I said, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, Stranger Things, The Handmaid's Tale. Pretty much all the critically acclaimed TV shows these days follow that fourth category of one long story arc. We're not talking about episodes that have a focus that just lasts that one episode. We're talking about a whole season that has one long story, and there's rarely ever time to talk about anything else. So let's talk about when things changed. I I know I'm giving a lot of information, but like I said, There isn't a lot of information out there, so I feel like I have to make up for it by making my point as clear as I can. So when it comes to One Long Story, that has been around in television for a long time. It existed in soap operas. Uh, Soap operas obviously get discounted a ton when it comes to television because most people don't like soap operas. There are A lot of people that do, but the majority of television viewers seem to think that it is below them. Uh, It might be a guilty pleasure for a lot of people, but soap operas typically are viewed poorly. Uh, These are the shows that have so many cliffhangers, so many twists and turns that it comes across as silly sometimes. A lot of them are told five days a week and have been on for five days a week for 50 years it is insane how much story they can tell in those things, in those shows uh, but once again people seem to discount those um, especially TV tropes that was really weird for me but when it comes to a long story told in installments you really have to look at the 70s as when that started there are Except there are things that happened earlier, like I said, soap operas. Uh, I would also point out Lost in Space. That happened in the 60s, and that had a cliffhanger at the end of every episode. Uh, but in terms of popularity, you have to look at the mid to late 70s and 80s as when that started picking up steam. Uh, the things that pointed that stood out to me were Roots, the miniseries, the big miniseries that uh, everybody was talking about when it came out. Then there's Battlestar Galactica, which was definitely a story arc. It each episode did not stand by itself. Then there was Dallas, that kind of went back and forth. It was kind of supposed to be a, a soap opera, just in prime time. And then the one that Hill Street Blues said was the first, um, ser the first story arc, which is definitely not true. And they said that was Hill Street Blues, which came out in 1981. Uh, There were definitely other story arcs that came out before then. I don't know why they stated that. But this was... They were kind of minor series. Uh, They were popular, but they weren't the most popular. For the most part, what people were watching were still the episodic things, even though these serials and these story arcs were starting to come up. Uh, The big change happened in the early 2000s. That's when most shows started doing a more long story format. Think about things like House, for instance, where every episode focused on one patient, but the things that were happening to the doctors uh, carried over between episodes. Uh, You could look at ER and Grey's Anatomy and Desperate Housewives. All of those had something that was the focus that episode but the the episode itself would have ramifications that lasted um but then again we have that fourth one where it's you know breaking bad game of thrones you can't miss a single episode all they're talking about is what lasts the entirety of the series the three big changes for me coincide with changes in technology uh, and that's once again something that I had to do my own research on because nobody seemed to want to talk about it. The VCR and the VHS uh, first appeared in America in 1977. That's about the same time that the first series, the first story arc started happening on television. Roots, Battlestar, Galactica, Dallas were late 70s. The same thing happened in movies. We're talking late 70s. We're talking uh, Star Wars, Alien, and The Godfather. The sequels came out in the late 70s. I don't think that's a coincidence. I feel like the people that told these stories realized that they had a new medium, that they could reach people any time they wanted, if they could get it on VHS. If they could get it on the VCR, that was something that they were trying to do. I also mentioned that the biggest turn happened in the early 2000s. That's when it was happening in the background, changed to it's happening on most of television. And that coincides with when the DVR came out. When the DVR came out, you could watch whatever you wanted whenever you wanted, and that was a huge deal. You could record it and watch it later. So you could expect people to watch every episode because they had it recorded, and that coincides with the changes that I'm talking about. The most recent change now is the rise of digital distribution. So we're talking Netflix and Hulu and all that kind of stuff. With the rise of Netflix, you're seeing an even bigger change and a force to watch every episode. You can't be filled in if you miss an episode of Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad. You have to watch it yourself. There's just too much to talk about. So once that became the norm, people started binging the shows. You watch it all at once because it is one long story. And that's something that didn't used to exist. It's plainly obvious, I feel. But once again, it's not something that people tend to talk about. And I feel like that's a little weird. There is one more category that I wanted to talk about, but it's hard for me to necessarily argue uh, that things have changed all that much. And that would be video games. With video games, it is difficult for me to say that... Uh, a story arc over multiple video games is on the rise uh, because of several factors. Uh, The first one being that it is really hard to figure out popularity of video games. Uh, I can estimate it, but I can't give you any kind of hard numbers. And that drives me nuts about video games that I can't tell you sales figures with a clear number. I can't tell you how much they made. There are people that try to estimate it, uh, but that only comes to consoles. And now that PC is basically uh, PC and mobile are the ways that most people are playing video games, uh, it feels like it is not necessarily that worthwhile to figure out how much uh, games are being sold for consoles. But maybe that's just me. Once again, well, I mean, consoles are fairly popular, especially like the, the Switch and the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. Terrible name. But we are not necessarily seeing Steam numbers to compare that to. So I can't even tell you if PC games are way more popular than console games or console games are way more popular than PC games. Because the numbers just aren't out there for me to tell you. Um, that So it's just my perception That the PC games and the mobile games are more popular, but I don't have numbers to back that up because they're not out there. I've looked. But video games, when it comes to storytelling, have a few problems. The first one is that a lot of video games don't really focus on a story. That's not the point of the game. Uh, For instance, the Mario series is there a story? Sure. There's a story. The princess got captured, go rescue her. Pretty basic story, but it it exists. It's there. But that's not really why you play a Mario game. You don't play a Mario game to rescue the princess. You play a Mario game because it's fun to jump on enemies and platform and all that kind of stuff. We're not talking about the story when we talk about why we love uh the, the Mario games. So, When it comes to the change in storytelling, it's difficult for me to say that there's a rise in a certain kind of storytelling because most people, and it does sadden me to say this, most people when they buy video games aren't buying it for the story. I do. That's my favorite part of a game, but I can't say that that's what most people do when the most popular games out there are sports titles. You're talking Madden, racing games, FIFA. Those have no story. So it's hard for me to say that there is a change. But I still want to make the argument that there was. Uh, So let's talk about the older titles first. Uh, When we're talking about the old titles like Mario and Sonic and even the early Final Fantasy games, they stood alone. They were one-off games, more or less. If you played Sonic 2, which is what I played growing up, It did not matter if you played Sonic 1. If you play Super Mario Bros. 3, does it really matter if you played Super Mario Bros. 1 earlier? Not really. Probably not at all. There were ones that were kind of in the middle, uh, like Zelda, Metroid, and Castlevania, where it would have helped you a bit to have played the previous titles, but in terms of a single story over several installments, it's a little blurry. Maybe you could make that argument for Metroid. It's a much tougher thing to argue for Castlevania. But ultimately, there wasn't necessarily one that I would say is a story arc in those titles. But there were other series going on at the time that I definitely would say is one story told over several installments. Uh, That would be Dragon Quest, for instance. Ultima. Uh, You could even make an argument for the King's Quest series. Uh, and the well the other point and click series at the time Laser Suit Larry uh Space Quest you can make the argument for those it's a little rocky but you could make an argument that it is one story and not just separate stories told in a sequel especially with a game like Space Quest where you have items that carry over uh same with like the Monkey Island series that's i'd consider that one long story uh, but these weren't necessarily all that popular they were always around though that's the thing and because they were always around it's difficult for me to say that there was a a significant change in time um but it's there's another problem that that we all know exists and that's the popularity of video games has a huge variance uh, for instance, Fallout 4 was a huge hit, but at the same time, so was Minecraft. And it, it's difficult for me to say th- the, that we're seeing a rise in Fallout 4s when Minecraft also exists. And it's hard for me to say that we're seeing more, many more games like Minecraft, that, and that's the most popular thing when Fallout 4 exists. So it's it's always difficult for me to say what is the popular thing in video games because there's such a wide variance going on. So for every long story that's being told, there's a one-off and sometimes it's kind of a joke game. Like, uh, like, well, not necessarily a joke game, but a game that doesn't necessarily, uh, have a story to it at all. That it's just a, a bit of a gimmick. It's you get in, you do the thing and you have fun doing that. Um, PUBG and Fortnite come to mind where you, you just go in, you have a big fight, whoever wins wins. And that can be fun. That, that can be a lot of fun. I'm not saying that these are bad games by any means. But when it comes to storytelling, there's nothing there. At least almost nothing there. But I still think that there was a change over the years. When it comes to the longer narratives, I started noticing that in the PlayStation 2 era. And I'm just talking about my personal experiences here. That's when I first started noticing it and it was popular in PlayStation 2 era. I can think of Kingdom Hearts, Xenosaga, Zacking Daxter, Prince of Persia, God of War, Devil May Cry, and dot Heck, even Final Fantasy uh, tried their tr- tried to do at least one game that had... A story arc told in several installments between Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy X-2. I don't think they did a very good job, but they tried. So I noticed it in the PlayStation 2 era where there was one story told over several installments. Jack and Daxter, Xenosaga, Kingdom Hearts, Prince of Persia, God of War, Devil May Cry, and Dot Hack. All one long story in several installments. You could not jump into the second one and understand what was going on at all. You had to play them in order. And that was something that, for me as a video game player, was completely new. Uh, But I know, for instance, with Dragon Quest Ultimate and King's Quest, that the other stuff did exist. It was out there. Uh, I just hadn't experienced it at that point. Like I said, it's really difficult to pin down when this change happened. The longer stories were always there in video games, and they're here now. It's really hard for me to gauge popularity. But I do think that when it comes to the mainstream video game market, what's being advertised on television, I think that the longer stories are becoming more mainstream now. Like the recent God of War game that came out, or... Uh, Something like the Fallout series or the Elder Scrolls series, where uh, it's that universe thing again. What happens in the game doesn't necessarily directly correlate with the next game, but the universe has to change because of it. So they are technically all one story, even though it's much more of a sequel format than a story arc format. So you're starting to see that kind of thing come up more often these days in terms of the big releases that are coming out and I don't think that used to happen all that much but once again without me having really any solid numbers I have to just go off my personal experience when it comes to that so those are the four main types of media that I wanted to talk about when it comes to the rise of the story arc Uh, we've talked about books we've talked about television we've talked about movies we talked about video games I try to stay away from too many specifics, uh, but we're going to have to now when I talk about the lists of pros and cons when it comes to the story arc format, because there is definitely some good things and some bad things when it comes to the story arc. When it comes to the pros, once again, this is kind of my interpretation of it, and some people are going to disagree with some of these, but for, for me... The longer, more complex story is a positive thing. I like that. I like the long story. I like the complex story. I like the twists and the turns. I like having something I can really sink into and stick with for a long time. Definitely a pro. If you have a fan, they are more dedicated as a fan of yours. They are some, They will defend you. They love it they are more dedicated the more that you give them. And if you tell them one long story, they are more invested in it. And as a result, they're more dedicated to you. Uh, The more that you give them, the more that they're going to take. And that doesn't always happen with an episodic format. There's also a larger variety of stories to be told in a story arc format. If you just have... uh, a half hour to deal with like a lot of comedies are you just have that half hour it's going to be difficult to tell a huge amount of stories in that half hour you have to tell a story that lasts roughly if not exactly that half hour so with the ability to kind of stretch it as much as you need to you can tell a 10-hour story. You can tell a 20-hour story, and it can be done with a movie, a series of movies, or a series of television shows. It works with a lot more of a variety of stories. Another positive for me is that characters are easier to relate to. You've known them longer, you've seen them change, you get much more of their backstory than you would if it was just that one episode or if it was just an episodic format. And then the final one is definitely much more of a business side. It's that there is a potential for more money because there will be multiple purchases, right? You have to purchase each installment. You have to watch each video. You have to watch each episode. You have to buy tickets to each film. You have to buy each video game. You have to buy each book. And if you get the money for all of those, there is a very significant possibility that you will make more money as a result of the longer format than you would in a shorter format. But as you might imagine, there are still some cons. And these are the ones that I could think of off the top of my head. Because once again, there's no information out there. Uh, The list of cons. Many stories just don't work in this format. If it becomes the expectation that you need to tell a story that lasts for 10 hours or 20 hours, however long the se- the season is for a television show or for several movies, like five or six movies, there's going to be some stories that just don't work for that. So if that becomes the expectation when you pitch a story, that's going to lead into some problems, which leads me to my next con, which is that some f- writers are forced to stretch, to meet the format. And others are forced to write an unexpected series when they only expected to write a one-off. Uh, the two main ones that come to mind when I think of that uh, are Dune. Dune is a very clear one-off book that th- then Frank Herbert suddenly had to write sequels to. And it was very difficult for him to do that. And uh, most of the rules that he established in the first book don't happen and don't exist after that. I, I can't really talk about it without giving away massive spoilers for the Dune series, but it's very clear to me that Dune was supposed to exist by itself, but because it was a hit, he had to make something up afterwards. The other one, and I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this one, but Star Wars for a fact is that the original Star Wars episode 4 was just supposed to be a one-off movie. George Lucas has confirmed this. It's it's a fact. That's what happened. And if you just watch Star Wars, you can see that there's a lot of things that are wrapped up by the end. There isn't really a cliffhanger. There's really no need for more films or more story it could be by itself however because it became such a big hit he had to write more to it and he followed the characters along on a longer journey than I think he originally intended because he had to change a lot of the things that were established in the first movie in the second and third movie and that leads to a lot of loopholes and plot holes that people argue about whether they actually exist Uh, but that wouldn't happen if he had planned from the beginning to write those three movies or those six movies or those nine movies or however you want to say the star wars series is now Uh, but definitely when it started it was just supposed to be that one film and that leads to a lot of problems with continuity and now that we have the opportunity to watch things multiple times, they start standing out a lot more. So that is an issue with the long form format because some writers aren't prepared for that. And some writers make stuff up on the go. Lost. But there are a lot of writers that can handle this very well. If from the beginning you expect to write a certain number of seasons or a certain number of films or however you want to whatever form you're taking the story in if you have that mapped out from the beginning it works really well it's for the people that don't have that planned out from the beginning that it really starts to show cracks as you go forward and that's definitely a con for this format another con is that you get less initial viewership on any one part of the franchise. Now, this is something that can be argued back and forth, but it definitely exists throughout franchises that there is going to be a dip. People will catch up sometimes to watch a big entry. For instance, in Game of Thrones, the finale is almost always the most popular part For that initial day of viewership it's the most popular episode it's either the the premiere or the finale almost every season and there's a dip in the middle where people fall behind and then they catch up for the finale um there's also that with films uh where a lot of the entries in for instance the marvel cinematic universe don't get too much at the box office because people feel like they can skip it watch it later, and then come back to watch the big Avengers movie, and they could skip some of the solo movies that happened along the way there, and they'll watch that at home. So you get that less initial viewership on single parts of each franchise. You might make it up later on, but typically you want that money up front because that's when people pay the most money, right? If you go to the film... If you go to the movies, you go to the cinema, you're going to pay more than if you rent the film. Not that you can rent it that all that much anymore, but if you watch it later online, um, that's going to that's gonna cost them money because you didn't pay the full price in their eyes. Uh, same with television shows. If you wait until the whole season's available on Netflix, they're not making as much money as if you had watched each episode the night that it aired the first time. Uh, same with video games, of course, as video games age, they go down in price most of the time. But if you buy it used, or if you wait and wait for the, the price to drop significantly, they're not making as much money off of you as they would have if you bought it right when it came out. So you're seeing less initial viewership and potentially less money. So that is definitely a con. The next one is every instance has to be watched or played or read in order to understand the next. So you can't jump in whenever you want. For instance, I have not watched uh, The Handmaid's Tale at all. I have not seen it at all. I want to, but I haven't yet because... Well, for, for many reasons I will get into later, but when it comes to The handmaid, Handmaid's Tale, I can't just watch the latest episode. I have to go back to watch the first one and move forward from there. I have to watch them in order. I can't just jump in whenever I want. I If I do jump in, I have to jump in to episode one. And as a result, it's a lot harder to get buzz going for a lot of shows because not as many people watch it when it first comes out and that is a little bit of a problem if you're trying to advertise the show if you're trying to get people excited about the show you want them talking about it and that's hard to do if the first conversation the first question that you have to ask is where are you in the story as if they stopped halfway through an episode But that's the way that you have to talk about it. How far are you in Game of Thrones? What can I talk to you about? Can I tell you who died in season five? No, because you're only on season three. It becomes a hassle for the production companies to generate buzz. There are ways to do it, but it has to be roundabout ways that didn't have to exist before. And the final con that I could think of is that this is a larger commitment for the fans. Uh, This is one of the reasons I haven't watched... The Handmaid's Tale is because uh, it is a large commitment for me and I don't have time for that commitment right now because I have so many other commitments to other series that are going on. Um, That is a lot to ask of the fans. It's a lot to ask of the viewers. It's a lot to ask of the readers to jump into an entire series. And typically the longer that it goes, the less likely people are going to jump into it. Uh, when I think of that, I think of anime, which I haven't talked about too much here, but anime and, and manga have kind of always been a story arc. Uh, as far back as I can look, uh, we're talking late 60s, they had already already been doing that. Uh, Ashton no Joe is uh, one of my favorite um uh, animes and it was it started in the 60s and it's one long story arc told over over 100 episodes so it is it is something that has existed for a long time but it's a huge commitment uh for instance if i were to tell you that one piece was really good and you should watch it a lot of people are going to go how many episodes is it and once they find out that it's over 900 episodes they're just going to say no Just no, I'm not going to watch that. It is too much of a commitment for me to get involved right now. So it is hard for a lot of these longer series to continue to pick up steam simply because there's so much backlog that they have to catch up on. And that's something that didn't exist for, let's say, The Simpsons for a long time. You could just watch any episode of The Simpsons and you'd be caught up. Um, you could even make the argument with Star Trek that you could just watch an episode or two and you would understand what was going on. You don't have to watch every episode of Star Trek to understand it. Um, so that, those are the cons. So that's the list of pros and cons. So is it a good change? That's what I think a lot of people want me to say. And that's one thing that I don't necessarily want to answer. Um, it's, A change that's for sure Uh, for me like I said there's pros and cons to it I like the longer stories so I usually see this change as a good thing I like seeing the longer stories I feel that there's more good television more good movies more good video games now than there possibly ever have been There's a lot of bad stuff out there. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like in terms of things that I'm interested in, that I want to invest my time into, I feel like there's more now than there has been in the past. So I see it as a good thing. The problem is there's too much. I can't keep up. There's too much for me to actually watch. There's a lot of things that had to go by the wayside and ended up getting canceled Even though I thought, hey, I want to watch that eventually, uh, not enough people were watching it now, and ended up getting canceled. Uh, For whatever reason, uh, the the show Ray Donovan comes to mind for that, where it just sounded good, but I never got around to it, and then it got canceled. Uh, There are several shows like that, though. It happens all the time. There's so much good stuff out there. That it's hard for any one thing to get a ton of popularity because you have to be really really good whereas if that came out like maybe 10 years ago maybe it would have stood out so it is difficult for me to say that it's good or bad i typically see it as good that there are longer stories out there right now but at the same time it becomes daunting and it makes me want to just not watch anything sometimes but the change ultimately has to do with how we watch media how we consume media and how that has changed over the years is that we are much more passive about it than previous generations were previous generations you had to be there television shows and movies were events you had to you had to have it then you had to watch it then at the time, so that you could talk about it the next day. Uh, For those of you in America, think about the Super Bowl. For those of you in Europe, think about the FIFA World Cup. If you miss it, you're not going to be able to have certain conversations with other people. There are movies now that become events, but they're kind of few and far between. There's maybe only five or six movies a year that reach that level of you have to watch it or else you're missing out on conversations. You can't talk to people because you didn't watch this movie that you're going to be excluded. People are going to kind of push you away and say, we can't talk to you right now. We're going to talk about this movie that just came out. That doesn't happen all that often. It used to be much more common, um, But because we've become much more passive, we want to watch things on our own time. The people had to change how they produced it. They had to adapt to how we were doing it instead of trying to force us to do it a different way. Especially with the rise of Netflix, we want to watch everything on our own time. And we want to watch a lot at once. Binging has become... Not necessarily the norm, but so common that the people that make shows had to make something that was binge-worthy, but bingeable, more importantly. That you could watch 10, 20 episodes in a row and not feel like you missed out on something because... It didn't matter at the end of the episode, like the old sitcoms where everything went back to normal by the end. That doesn't work that well these days. It works for some comedies, but ultimately they need to change things over time. You can't have 10 seasons of the exact same formula night after night like you used to. Not that the old television shows lasted 10 seasons. They rarely did, but... That's how the format used to be. Everything wraps up at the end. And when you come back next week, nothing will have changed because of this episode. They had to change that so that we could feel like it was worthwhile for us to watch 10 episodes in a row of something. It was up to the media companies to adapt to the way that we consume media and the way that they're doing it is through the rise of the story arc. So that's the story arc. That's the main topic that I wanted to talk about today. I have definitely gone over my time. Uh, I usually try to go about an hour for this, and I'm already at, looks like, about an hour 10 or so, a little bit over that. Uh, So I... Do have a wild card that I just wanted to talk about. I'm going to try to make it quick uh, because I have gone over time already. Um, for the record, though, I am kind of struggling to come up with wild card segments. So if you have ideas for me, feel free to put it in the comment section below. I'll take a look at it. Uh, for now, though, we're going to do another personal update, which is pretty much what I did last time. Uh, But this time will be a lot uh, shorter. Um, I didn't get a dog. That's kind of important. Uh, I have introduced Ruby finally on the channel. It is very difficult uh, to get some good footage of Ruby. Uh, She doesn't like cameras all that much. She runs around all the time. uh, And we don't necessarily have time to both play with her and film it at the same time. Usually only one of us is playing with her, so that makes it very difficult to film and play at the same time. Uh, I try to do it on my Instagram uh, every once in a while, but it is difficult. Um, One of the reasons that this has... Uh, been delayed again uh, is that it was difficult for me to actually sit down and research this. And then once I did research this, I wasn't finding the information I was looking for. And that was one of the reasons that this was delayed so much. Uh, Another thing is that in my personal life, well, I guess personal life, uh, but my work life, uh, the job that I actually go to the office for, uh, there's a lot of problems going on there lately i can't really get into too much uh, detail about it but i had to step up how much i was working there Uh, so i went from three days a week to four days a week in the office meanwhile i'm still trying to work for myself uh, for my own company uh, in my spare time so to speak Uh, so everything kind of got stressed out there Uh, but yeah the office that i work in they're having a lot of problems they need me to help out with more things. Uh, so that's become a bit of a hassle. Um, on top of that, uh, Hannah and I are seriously considering moving to Portland. Uh, we're trying to come up with plans. We're having some snags when it comes to that. Uh, we're kind of going back and forth on what um, what the best way to do that is. But what we have settled on is uh, a goal date. Um, It's written in pencil, so to speak. It is not set in stone, uh, but we are planning a move to Portland uh, in May of next year. So about 11 months from now, about a year from now, more or less, uh, but we are planning to move up to Portland uh, in the next year. Uh, We had original plans for October of next year. We moved it up. Uh, then there was a chance we could move up in two months. Well, no, maybe six months, but I think uh, a year is most likely when that is going to happen. Uh, we will try to film us moving at least a little bit. Uh, it has become quite difficult to record uh, any kind of vlogs lately, uh, so we're, we're working on that kind of stuff. We're trying to get everything done. Uh, I do want to get uh, streams up as well. Uh, I want to get this up on iTunes. I've seriously been trying to do that and it, they are giving me so much of a workaround to get that up that I haven't been able to do it after months of trying. I might just go to an Apple store at some point to try to get it done. They're not answering my emails after all. Uh, but basically there has been a lot of stress, especially in the past couple weeks that have been going on, um, And I do hope that it'll get better in time because I do want to try to focus on the channel at least a little bit more. Um, But for now, I pretty much am getting up what I can, when I can. And outside of the third weekend slot, which is what this podcast was supposed to be once a month, um, I have been doing all right, but I still feel... A little guilty that I haven't been able to do more. Uh, There is uh, still some stuff that I wanted to do in terms of video games. There's one video game seemingly always on my list that's just on the back burner when I have time. And then it's on the back burner for months that I need to finish it. Uh, For a long time, that was uh, Starcraft 2. Then it was uh, Rogue Legacy. Now it's Braid. It's probably just going to be one video, but it's going to take me about three or four hours of actual gameplay to get that done. So it has been on the back burner. I do want to get back to Braid at some point. Uh, but that's basically what I wanted to talk about. Just what has been going on and why stuff has been delayed and uh, stuff like that. So that is pretty much going to do it for this scuba cast. If you guys do like what I am doing here, please consider going to Patreon and helping uh, support the channel and the podcast. If you do, uh, you can vote on what will be the next podcast main topic. Um, I, I do think that a Q&A is in session uh, next time. So if you guys do have questions for me, uh, feel free to put that in the comment section below and I'll get to as many questions as I can in the next podcast. I'll put a reminder in the description for that. But yes, next time I am planning to do a Q&A section as the wild card next time as the third slot. But the main one will be uh, available for vote on Patreon. Uh, I also do try to post to Twitter and instagram when i can links for that will hopefully be in the description below Uh, i do intend to get this podcast up onto itunes and onto other formats but man they are just making it so difficult the site just does not work i will continue to work on it though and uh, hopefully, streams will be coming up pretty soon. So, I hope you guys have enjoyed this third Scuba Cast. I have been Baller Scuba. I've been joined, as always, by a Sleeping Ruby in the background and a ton of facts about story arcs that were sometimes opinion, sometimes uh, blurred lines. I'll probably come back to this topic later because, like I said, it was just so difficult to find any solid information. And there's still a lot that I wanted to talk about that I had to skip uh, in order to try to condense this. But I hope you guys have enjoyed this scuba cast. I hope you laughed. I hope you learned. I hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening.